Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Draft weekend is in the books, and how do you feel about your New Orleans Saints? Probably should feel pretty darn good about them because they had a good draft. Plus, reports are that they are aggressively trying to sign the Honey Badger. That's right, Tyron Matthew. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3. I'm joined here in the studios, of course, by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah. Five names. Got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to talk things LSU with our buddy Jeff Palermo later on today from Tiger Rag Radio and the Louisiana Radio Network. Dramatic walk-off win for the baseball team over the weekend. They take two or three from Georgia. We'll break all that down coming up later on today. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, will join us. Cajuns took two of three as well over the weekend. They continue to build up momentum towards the back end of the season. We'll talk all things Raging Cajuns with Jay Walker. And then Tina Howe will join us from Canal Street Chronicles, the editor. She'll join us to recap the Saints draft. So we got three good guests to start off the week for you here on RP3 and Company. Of course, we'll take your phone calls. We love to hear from you, especially to kick off the week like this. Game hotline is always open. That's 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We'll talk a little NBA playoffs this morning as well. Houston Astros, they continue to struggle. But we're going to lead off today's show talking about the NFL draft. First round was in the books on Thursday. We recapped that, how the Saints were able to get not one, but two guys that they wanted, needed, positions of need. Chris Olave, who they traded up to go get out of Ohio State, the wide receiver. And then the big fellow from Northern Iowa, offensive tackle. Well, then they got their versatile guy in round two on Friday night. Remember, they didn't have a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick. They traded those to trade up to go get Alave in the first round when they made the trade with the Washington Commanders. What they did do, though, they still had their second-round pick. And I said, don't be surprised if they go DB or defensive lineman linebacker. And sure enough, they went defensive back. And they went with someone that is very, very, very versatile. They got somebody that can play both corner, nickel, 
And guess what? Safety. That's what they did. They love drafting guys that are versatile. They love making a push for players that can do multiple things for them because they love finding that extra value, if you will, in a player. Yeah, Alave is going to be slotted right up as the number two wide receiver right off the bat. You get him in the first round. Trevor Penning, he may need some grooming, right? There's times where the tape tells you that he's a little undisciplined, but they believe that he could be their franchise left tackle. So maybe he gets pushed in camp by Hurst, the veteran guy that they like, and maybe he doesn't start off the season as the starting left tackle, but they believe in him as a long-term answer there. So there's not a lot that you can do as uh, offensive tackle. Right? What kind of diversity can you bring to the table? But when they picked in the second round on Friday night, Alante Taylor is that guy. Out of Tennessee, they stay put. They do not trade up. They just stood pat right there at number 49 and took Alante Taylor, cornerback out of Tennessee. But here's the thing about Alante 45 games, 31 starts for the Volunteers. Started his career in Tennessee at wide receiver, but moved to cornerback in 2018. Also lined up at nickel and also played safety. You're talking about a young man who is versatile in the defensive secondary, who arrived in college as a high school wide receiver. So he understands routes, which helps him become a better defensive back. 12th player from Tennessee that the Saints have drafted. We always talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes pipeline to the New Orleans Saints. They got one also with the Tennessee Volunteers. I mean, just look at the roster. Taylor Jones, Alvin Kamara, wide receiver Marquez Callaway, defensive tackle Shy Tuttle, defensive back Bryce Thompson, and tight end Ethan Wolf as former Volunteers currently on the roster right now. And he's versatile, and he can do multiple things. Played quarterback and wide receiver in high school. They like him. And, and I was asked on Friday, well, why are they getting another cornerback? First of all, you can't have enough corners. You can't have enough good corners. And don't forget that the Saints love taking guys that have come out of college as corners are primarily used as corners and transforming them into safeties. Malcolm Jenkins springs to mind right off the bat. Hey, here's a guy that's versatile. We see his skill set as something else. Now, they may keep him at corner. Obviously, they have Marshawn Lattimore, and then they took Paulson Adebo, who they liked a, a lot last year. Remember the kid out of Stanford? He had a good rookie year. He could be a number two. Maybe this kid is going to be your number three corner. Maybe you're able to bring him in and that will allow you to take Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and move him around even more so as your nickel or play him at some safety. Maybe now you don't have to worry about playing P.J. Williams at corner because he's better playing at safety, who you re-signed and brought back on a one-year deal. Once again, the Saints love having the ability to be able to do multiple things with a player, not only because of the multiple positions they can play, but because it allows them to do multiple things in other ways. 
Then they went in the fifth round with linebacker DeMarco Jackson. If you're a Raging Cajun fan, you know all about DeMarco. He's a Sunbelt Conference Defensive Player of the Year. Tackling machine for Appalachian State. Saints take him in the fifth round, pick 161 overall. Once again, Defensive Player of the Year for the Sunbelt Conference. Played in the Senior Bowl. He only had 120 tackles in 2021. There you go. 19 tackles for a loss, six sacks. Played in 53 games for Appalachian State. Had nearly 300 career tackles. 35 tackles for a loss, 11 and a half sacks. This is the type of guy, because you take him in there in the fifth round, maybe he can earn him, or earn a spot in the rotation. Maybe he can be primarily used as a backup. But once again, he can play special teams. And someone who's fundamentally sound at tackling. If you've watched the NFL in the last 10 years, it's been sorely, sorely missed. Here's a guy that you get on the cheap. He's only a fifth-round pick. Tackling machine out of Appalachian State. I mean, he nearly had 300 tackles in college. That's a lot, by the way, in case you were wondering. And then they wrapped up their draft by taking the big fella, the defensive tackle, Jordan Jackson, out of Air Force. Took him in the sixth round. Six foot four, 294 pounds. You get a guy that's started a lot of games playing D-tackle. Do you need D-tackle? Not necessarily, but drafting a guy that can be a backup. Once again, you get to that point in the draft, and it's all about roster building. It's all about. It's all about finding guys that you can utilize on the roster, who can play special teams, who can be a backup. Because the way the salary cap's constructed, you have to find ways like that. But they weren't done with just the draft. Yeah, they had the two first-rounders. They gave up the third and the fourth, as I told you. They had a guy that they selected in the second, the fifth, and the sixth. So only five guys overall for the draft for the Saints this year. All fit needs. Wide receiver, offensive line, a versatile defensive back, a linebacker, and a defensive lineman. That checks all the boxes for the Saints. Except for they could use probably some running backs, right? Probably even some more wide receivers. And that's why the Saints were aggressive right after the completion of the draft on Saturday. They signed 17 undrafted free agents after the draft was done and didn't wait very long to do it either. Did not wait very long at all. They got right after it, including a guy that we've talked about on the air. The young man from right down the road plays his college ball at Nichols, the big stud wide receiver. They're bringing him in, and I actually believe he may have an opportunity to make the team. I'm talking, of course, about Deshaun Dixon. 
record-setting wide receiver for the Nichols Colonels. You heard Mike Dettelier talk about him, how high he was on him, and he expected him to possibly even be drafted. Instead, he goes undrafted, falls right to the Saints. They scoop him up immediately on an undrafted rookie free agent deal. And of the 17 guys that they did, that they signed, he's the one that stands out the most. He's the one that you lo- you go, he could probably make the team. Because they're always looking at guys that can play. They're always looking at wide receiver. How much confidence do you have in the wide receiving core past Michael Thomas and now rookie Chris Olave? Callaway, Traquan Smith, is Kevin White still in the roster? Maybe. They took the kid out of South Alabama late in the draft last year, remember, and he never really made an impact whatsoever on the team. But you look at this kid, I'm telling you, the Dixon kid, of all the 17 that they sign, he stands out the most to me. Six foot four, 200 pounds, New Orleans native, went to Edna Carr. And during his college career, Dixon had only 236 catches for 3,800 yards and 35 touchdowns. Kid knows how to catch the ball. Kid knows how to run his routes. Kid knows how to score. Now he's going to have an opportunity to make an impact during camp and try to get himself on the roster. The other guy that I like is Kroll. The big fella played at Florida, ended his career at Pittsburgh, all ACC second team in 2021, 38 receptions for uh, for 451 yards and six touchdowns. He's also a baseball player. Drafted by the Giants back in 2018. He's a tight end, six foot six, 260 pounds. We know the Saints need guys at that position. Haven't been thrilled about that. So that could be a guy to keep an eye on as an undrafted rookie free agent that could possibly make his way onto the team. But of all those guys, Dixon's the guy that leads, kind of stands out to me as someone who could possibly make the roster. So there you go. But in addition of drafting five guys at positions of need and then signing 17 more, multiple reports coming out first by Adam Schefter but then confirmed by Nick Underhill and others that the New Orleans Saints are aggressively pursuing Tyron Matthew, the former Heisman finalist, LSU star, the Honey Badger, to come home and play for the Saints. We'll see. If they could pull that off, in addition to everything else they've been able to do this offseason, in addition to the draft, you're going to look at this team a lot differently. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk more about the draft, some of the bigger surprises. Quarterbacks. (laughs) That run on quarterbacks really didn't get started on Friday either. In the second round or third round, guys dropped considerably this year. 
We'll talk about that as well. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Own Grill, PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Look, looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot at even a bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Availability does vary by parish. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Must be 21 years of older to play. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Got a poll question of the day. It's all about them Saints. All about them Houdats. Which Saints draft pick will make the biggest impact? Once again, they only drafted five players. Two in the first round, one in the second, and then a fifth and a sixth rounder. Well, we know how well this team can draft. We know how well that this team is known for finding guys in later rounds and turning them into impact players, turning them into stars. It's happened over and over again. They've done a very good job about it. Good job of it, rather, over the years. We ask you which Saints draft pick will make the biggest impact. Is it Chris Olave, the wide receiver out of Ohio State? Is it Trevor Penny, the big fella, the offensive tackle there out of northern Iowa? Is it Alante Taylor, the versatile defensive back out of Tennessee? Or is it DeMarco Jackson, the linebacker out of Appalachian State? Let's get to a couple comments here. Ton on Twitter has chimed in. My man is ready to go on this Monday morning. I'm saying Alave simply because the others have a lot of polishing to do before getting a full complement of reps. He's the most ready for plug and play, in my opinion. Hart on Twitter says, The Saints completely went under the radar for a crazy good draft. They did. The UDFA we picked up were all sneaky good picks. This will be a top five defense again this year, mark my words. And Smoke Monday already talking trash to Falcons made my whole weekend. That was another one of the UDFAs that they signed. 
and it was already talking trash to the Atlanta Falcons after he signed. Also, hashtag Honey Badger. Hashtag Honey Badger. Yeah, I like what they did. And Alave does seem to be the most ready, most polished. He'll be ready to go, ready to hit the ground running. I think longer, long term, pinning the, the tackle could be the guy, right? But we don't think of linemen that way. We don't think of it as big impact positions long term. But he could be, for them, what Teron Armstead was, which was a franchise left tackle for a decade. That's something. Those are probably harder to find and keep than, say, a stud wide receiver. They could be, I don't know. It just feels that way. It just really does feel that way. So, I don't know. Alave is going to be the guy that can come in, but Alante Jackson could be somebody that could make a big impact as well because of his versatility. So keep voting on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. We'll update it throughout today's show. We got to hear from the draft picks over the weekend as well. Of course, they're excited. They get to live out their dream to play professional football. And the Saints are excited for having them. Chris Olave... You know, he continues that pipeline with Ohio State. And guess what? He gets to join a wide receiving core that features a guy that played at Ohio State. Yeah, Michael Thomas. And he was asked if he has talked a lot with one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. We ain't really talked that much. We just sent a couple texts uh, back and forth every other week. But he sent me a text earlier this week uh, wishing me luck in the draft and uh, many blessings. So uh, I'm glad. I'm glad to be a part of the, of, the, of the organization, and I feel like a dream come true to be able to represent the Saints. He's known. Look, he's known as a great pass catcher, great athlete. But what he's really known for, what scouts were just drooling over, and what the Saints absolutely loved, was his ability to run routes. That's the biggest hurdle for wide receivers coming out of college into the NFL. That's why wide receivers bust more than quarterbacks do. Traditionally, historically, usually takes wide receivers three years to make the adjustment to the National Football League, and many times they don't succeed because they don't understand how to run the route combinations at the next level. In college, a lot of times they'll be in an offense where it's just just, just, just run. Just run and we'll, we'll find you. Well, in the NFL, it's more intricate. It's more about your routes that you run. And Olave has that in spades. He runs his routes like he's a pro. And he's asked, why is he so good at running routes? It's a lot of film studying, a lot of, a lot of individual work, uh, just extra work, just trying to set my tempo and change my tempo up to my routes. It's a lot of different things that I do. watch a lot of film on different players also. So I do a lot of things to try to develop my route running. Olave obviously wasn't the only guy selected in the first round. Trevor Penning, the big fella out of northern Iowa, was there as well and he was asked look you know even though he's from a small school and he started his career undersized the the joke on social media over the weekend was like look his first jersey there at northern iowa when he when he arrived in high school was a kicker's jersey yet he developed into a big massive mauler 
of a tackle. And he asked, did he see himself as a first-round draft pick? No, I would say first off, I probably would not say, uh, you know, kind of before this last year, I really didn't think that was a possibility. But hearing more and more and of it becoming a possibility, I thought it was uh, incredible. And, uh, you know, being able to be the 19th pick, I mean, that's incredible. It's incredible. I never would have thought this when I was younger. Like, it's, it's insane to think about, and I couldn't be happier. And he's going to be a good one. He's going to be a good one. He was asked, you know, where does he get his mentality? Because he's known as a worker. His, he's known for his work ethic and putting in the time and the effort to get the job done. And he was asked, where does that mentality come from? I mean, it kind of came out as I wanted to dominate the guy across from me. I wanted to dominate, uh, you know, coming out of high school, I wanted to show I could dominate the guy on, on film and really show that who I am, basically. And that's how I thought I'd get noticed to get recruited. Then when I got to you and I, I mean, our offensive line coach, Ryan Klan, he wanted it out of us. He expected it out of us. And that's kind of what we prided ourselves at you and I is being a physical, tough, uh, mauler mentality uh, offensive line. And so that's really where it comes from. And it's also fun. Alante Taylor, versatility is his key, right? He's lined up at multiple positions. And, you know, he was asked after being drafted, you know, what his mentality is, especially being a guy that has been able to line up at multiple positions in his career. You know, I just feel like my my ability, I'm just an athlete. I'm just an athlete, right? I have the, the versatility. I don't feel like I have a bad, a lot of bad muscle memory things. So being able to go to DB, being an athlete, I can just feel like I can just go out there and play, man. Just my mentality, my mindset, I just wanted to be great. And, you know, I feel like in life, sometimes you have to adapt. And uh, I'm a willing, I'm willing to adapt, and I'm willing to change things about me that's going to get me, you know, to the next level. And I feel like that's what I did, and that's what I'm going to do whenever I get to New Orleans. See, that's the key there. This is a guy that was a quarterback in high school, recruited as a wide receiver, began his career as wide receiver, and they're like, "Hey, you better be, you better, you, you're probably better suited on the defensive side of the football." And then they lined him up at multiple spots on that side of the football in the secondary. Showing that ability to be able to do multiple things, that's the way that you get yourself on a roster. That's the way that you keep yourself on a roster. And he was asked, you know, do you see yourself continue the tradition that the Saints do where they take cornerbacks, they draft cornerbacks, and they convert them into safeties? And this is what he had to say. I feel more of a corner, but whatever whatever the Saints need me to do, you know, I'm going to come in and do that. So if that's going, moving to safety or moving to nickel, you know, I'm willing to do that. And I feel like that uh, I can have a lot of success doing that. There you go. He feels like he can play corner, but if they want him to play safety, he can play safety. That's the type of mentality you want to have. I think the Saints did really well with their draft. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a grading the draft guy. I think that's silly that you grade the draft. Well, this team did, you know, I'll give this team an A. What? We have no idea how these players are going to turn out. We just don't. But they did what they always want to do. Fill positions of need and did so with versatile players. Those are the two things the Saints love to do. They drafted their needs and they did so with guys that are versatile. Good draft for the Saints. Initial thoughts, really good draft. Sneaky good draft the New Orleans Saints.
We'll talk more about the draft, the weekend on the College Diamond as well. That's all coming up next weekend that was on deck here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. think rp3 is the only nickname ray has think again there was little veinment there was little foot little bubba there was ld which stood for little dufo there was ray dog there was ray diggity dog there was fish there was fish face there was rp3 there was even ramundo from el segundo Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Look, just go register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, which is always cool, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Once again, four tickets a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night to see the Strohs take on the Rangers at Minute Maid Ballpark. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So go sign up today in our clubhouse so you can have the chance to score the Astros Weekend Getaway. Busy weekend. State softball tournaments, Houston Astros, college baseball, more NFL draft news concerning local guys. It's time for us to try to touch on most of that. It's time for the weekend that was. Whether you're working or helping your wife shop for curtains, serenity now! You'll be brought up to speed on the highlights you may have missed. Thank you, you've been heavy. Here is the weekend that was on RP3 and Company. Let's start off with LSU baseball. They found themselves in a dogfight over the weekend, no pun intended, with the Georgia Bulldogs. It's a battle of top 20 opponents, and LSU takes game one. Hilliard pitched very well, and then they lose game two. So it's even. Rubber match yesterday at Alex Box Stadium. And this is the type of series that LSU needed to win to build up momentum and continue improving their line. They're right now locked up as a two-seed in an NCAA regional. That's going to happen. But they have the opportunity with this series against Georgia and then series still against Ole Miss, Alabama, and Vandy, not to mention the SEC tournament later this month in Hoover, to improve their standing and going from a two-seed, maybe all the way up into a I don't know, top 16 seed, which means they would host a regional. And I assure you, the NCAA would love LSU to host a regional. Well, they won yesterday, 4-3. to 
dramatic fashion, taking down a very good Georgia team, and they win it in the bottom of the ninth inning. The bottom of the ninth inning. Do so in dramatic fashion. Doty gets the job done. Scoring two runs. Walk off. 4-3 victory. And for LSU, look, this LSU team is not perfect. They're not. They're flawed. But it's Jay Johnson's first year. And if they somehow find a way to continue building momentum and ending the year by hosting a regional, that's a wildly successful year. Especially for the first year of a new coach. And once again, this team is not perfect. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But beating Georgia like they did, 4-3, to three, dramatic fashion, walk-off fashion, just... This is what you want to see. This is what you want to see from this team late in the season. And look, they were... What, a few pitches away from losing the series? But Doty steps to the plate, drills that two-run home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. 4-3 victory. And now the Tigers improve to 29-14 overall. 12-9 in SEC play. It's the same record as Georgia in SEC play now. LSU will return to action when they host Nichols Tuesday night at Alex Box Stadium, 6.30, first pitch. You can listen to that game live right here on the game. Wasn't the only fire stuff that happened over the weekend. How about the Raging Cages baseball team? They won as well. Now, Matt Deggs will always tell you he would prefer a good old-fashioned sweep if they can get their hands on one, which you don't blame them. Sweeps are far better. (laughs) But winning a weekend series, you'll take it all day long. Especially this this late in the season. Now, they dropped yesterday 9-4 to to App State. But that's okay. Because they crushed the faces of the Mountaineers the first two games. 14-3 and 12-7. They clinched the series. They won that on Saturday. On the road, by the way. And look, it's really tough to sweep a series on the road just is the fact that they were able to go in there tee off on app state win the first two games go ahead and lock up the series yes it's disappointing that they didn't get the sweep like they did absolutely cajun fans will tell you so but they won another sunbelt conference series they improved to 25 and 17 overall in the season 14 and 7 in conference play remember when they were below 500 in conference play wasn't that long ago Matt Deggs' team is trending in the right direction. It's a part of the schedule as well. They'll get back. They got back into town last night, and they don't have to worry about a midweek game because, remember, it's finals week and everything like that. So no midweek game. They'll be at home versus UTA. That's a winnable series. That's a series that they could possibly sweep. At home at the Teague, three-game set begins Friday. They'll go through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So Matt Deggs' team picks up another series victory. They continue turning a corner as well. Rage of Canaan softball. Final 
regular season series at home at Lamson Park. They have to finish off their regular season on the road up at ULM. Shout out to Funra. This coming weekend. They welcomed in Coastal Carolina. And they wrap up Senior Day, which was, by the way, a doubleheader on Saturday. Producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names was there in attendance. They went 6-3 and then 7-3. Sweep the doubleheader on Senior Day as they completed a series sweep of Coastal Carolina and remained atop the Sunbelt Conference standings with only one series uh, left on the schedule. The day, of course, was highlighted by senior Melissa Mayhew homering, tripling, and producing I don't know, only five RBIs in the first game and then doubling home the go-ahead run to close out the big four-run third inning in game two that vaulted the Raging Cajuns to another win. They improved to 38-11 and on the season, 20-4 and in the Sun Belt, and now they've run their home winning streak to 10 games on the final day of play at Lamson Park in the spring of 2022. Once again, they'll wrap up their regular season at ULM on, well, this coming weekend. They'll wrap up their regular season and then get prepared for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. But that wasn't the only good news for the Raging Cajuns. How about Max Mitchell, Percy Butler? They got drafted, former football stars. Both heard their names called on the same day, which I was not expecting. I thought Percy was going to be drafted a little bit later. I thought Max had a chance to be a third-round pick. They were both selected in the fourth round of the 2022 NFL Draft. Max Mitchell, your All-American lineman, is headed to New Jersey, selected 111th overall by the New York Jets. Percy Butler was taken two spots later. Remember what I said earlier about being versatile matters? Percy Butler can play special teams. Percy Butler is a really good special teams player. He's also a versatile defensive back. He can line up in multiple positions. Oh, and he can play special teams. Those are the types of players NFL teams are looking for all the time. I say it all the time, and you will hear college coaches say it all the time. They love to teach their guys and have guys that can play special teams because that gives you an opportunity to get your foot in the door in the National Football League. Mitchell taken 111 overall by the New York Jets. Two picks later, Percy Butler was taken 113th overall by the Washington Commanders. Both of them raging Cajuns, both of them in-state guys. Max Mitchell, of course, from Neville, played at Neville High School up in Monroe, and Percy Butler's from Plaquemine. So two Louisiana kids that played for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns get drafted in the fourth round, two picks apart from each other. And... This continues a trend of developing guys going in the mid-rounds for the Raging Cajuns. Remember a couple years ago it was Robert Hunt and Kevin Dotson. They've done this over and over again. Cajuns have now had six players taken in the last three drafts and lead the Sunbelt Conference with 17 total picks since the league began play. No team drafts more players, puts more players into the NFL in the Sunbelt Conference than the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Flex it up there for Cage Jones. And let's get a little love, obviously, to our friends in Lake Chuck. How about McNeese? 
football-wise, Jamal Pettigrew, who you remember, began his career, the big tight end, at LSU, transferred to McNeese, never developed into a star-dominant tight end that we thought he would. When you look at him, I remember that even at LSU. When you look at him, you're like, he looks the part. He looks he looked like a guy that could play in the NFL with his big body, big frame, big wingspan. He just never developed into a dominant collegiate player, whether that was at LSU or at McNeese. But he signed an undrafted rookie free agent deal with the defending Super Bowl champs, the Los Angeles Rams, while his teammate, Isaiah Chambers, the two-time consensus All-American who we had on the show last week, went undrafted. He, he didn't get signed, which is curious to me. He's been invited for a tryout. Once again, it's all about your size. Pettigrew is all about the potential. He works out well. He looks the part. Chambers is a little undersized, if you will. And that's why he's going to have to prove himself with a tryout. The baseball team, they dropped their final game of their series at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. It was a slugfest. They lose 13-11, to but they still won the series because they took the first two games. So they don't get the sweep, but they did win the series. McNeese, Justin Hill's team, improves to 25-19 and overall in the season, 11-7 and in Southland Conference play. And they did have their eight-game conference winning streak snapped, though. But they're still in the mix for the regular season championship for the Southland Conference. We got to take a timeout. That'll do it for the weekend that was. Told you it was a lot to get to. We still got to talk about the state softball tournaments. Two different locations. We'll do that next hour. When we come back, though, here in RP3 and Company, we're going to update the poll question of the day. Phone lines are open as well. Game hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. RP3 doesn't play around when it comes to his personal life. I got one NFL team, I got one college team, I got one Major League Baseball team. And the big fella's also monogamous when it comes to his sports fandom. That's what I got my merch for, that's who I support, period. Call me old-fashioned. Bien. Call me old-fashioned, that's fine. I'll be old-fashioned. RP3 is just committed to providing you with great sports talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana. Sports Station. In Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or for any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, 
It's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service. And to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, remind you, call 811 and know it's below before you dig. Let's take a moment here to check in on our poll question of the day. Man, fast and furious first hour here. Recapping NFL, draft, what the Saints did. We got to hear from the players. Weekend it was, college baseball. Lots to get to. Lots to get to. And before we do that, with updating the poll question of the day, congratulations to a couple of local guys. Cole Kelly did not get his name called over the weekend. I was surprised by that, but it was a weird year for quarterbacks in the draft. Matt Corral and Malik Willis thought they'd hear their names called earlier, too. They waited till the third round. Cole Kelly did not hear his name uh, heard over the weekend, but he did get a undrafted free agent deal contract signed. He's headed to the nation's capital to go try to earn a spot on the roster for the Washington Commanders. So Cole Kelly, former Turlings Catholic star, is headed there. Former STM Cougar Trevor Beggy, he signed a deal. He's going to Kansas City to go try to earn a spot with the Kansas City Chiefs. Poll question of the day, which Saints draft pick will make the biggest impact? Right now, 54% of you say Chris Olave. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming on Facebook and Twitter as well. Our number one in the books, our number two coming up right here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. 703 on this lovely Monday, May the 2nd. The fog is beginning to lift, but make sure you're still careful out there if you're driving to work or school this morning. Man, we're trying to recap it all for you. Busy weekend. LSU, UL, and McNeese all won their baseball series on the diamond. Didn't sweep. But got the series wins. That's all that really matters at this point of the season. Raging Cajun softball team swept Coastal Carolina to wrap up its regular season at home. They still have a road series at ULM. And of course, NFL draft. NFL draft. NFL draft. Saints. They got after it. Got themselves five players in the draft. All of positions of need. Then they went out and signed 17 undrafted free agents. As much as I love what they did with their draft, I like a lot of what they did with their rookie free agents that they signed and the Dixon kid from Nichols. I've seen him play. The kid can flat-out play football. Do not be surprised 
if the fella from Nichols University makes his way onto the roster. Kid can play. We asked you with our poll question of the day, which Saints draft pick will make the biggest impact? 54% of you say Chris Olave, taken in the first round, the wide receiver at Ohio State. 36% of you say Trevor Penning, the big fella, the tackle out of Northern Iowa. 10% of you say DeMarco Jackson, linebacker out of Appalachian State, Sunbelt Conference Defensive Player of the Year. No votes for the versatile Alante Taylor, who continues that Tennessee pipeline to New Orleans as well. Let's get to some comments. JPK, the OD, says, Day one, Alave. Three years will be pinning. He's big and nasty. Yeah, I could see him being the, the better, longer-term guy for this team. Darren, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and Company, says, The linebacker's not getting any younger. Jackson was a steal. I agree with that. He should have been taken higher, but they devalue linebackers now nowadays. Could be a part of this new wave of linebackers coming through the NFL. What about the Jets, though? I like what the Jets did there, especially like what they did in the first round. I think they had a very smart, thought-out draft process, which you typically can't say for either one of the New York teams. But I found myself not wanting to ridicule the Jets nor the Giants with what they did with their draft this year, which is a first in a long time. So maybe the Jets have the leadership in place, not with their owner. The owner's terrible. Sorry, Darren. The Jets owner is just as bad as my owner and as bad as the Dolphins owner. The ownership, not great, but it seems like the coach and front office are starting to lay the groundwork here to have a turnaround season. So I did like what the Jets did in the draft. Steve, Steve, salty Steve, always remember before you praise management on the draft, a pat on the back is only 18 inches away from a kick in the rear end. <laughs> I base my pat on the back for the Saints to be based on what they've done year after year after year. That's what they've done year after year after year. And maybe how things have been done you know, Foot brought this up on Friday about, you know, we always thought of Sean Payton, Sean Payton. Maybe the guy that was guiding the ship, especially when it came to the draft process and free agency, was Mickey Loomis. Just saying. Mickey's been there the longest. Mickey's been there since, what, 2001? In that capacity? So maybe this is Mickey's thing and everyone kind of just falls in line with his vision. Brad says, easy, Chris Olave will be a game one starter. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep your comments coming as well on Facebook and Twitter. Or you can give us a call on the hotline, 337-706-0111. And that's where Mr. Green, a.k.a. Jamie, awaits us. Good morning, sir. How was your weekend, brother? Good morning, Mr. Third. My weekend was pretty good. And this week is going to be good because it's the uh, last Last week of testing, leave testing for the kids. Uh, so if y'all are doing that out there, do your best. Good luck. Y'all are burned out. I get it. So are your teachers. Um, and the week <laughs> yes, they was, are. Was yes, they good. are. I got some good news for Miss uh, Miss Five Names. Uh-oh. It's this. I could not find a single Louisiana Tech player that got drafted this last weekend. Your favorite team in the whole world, Miss Five Names, didn't have a single player drafted. Did not have a single player drafted. You know who else didn't have a single player drafted? 
Northwestern State. The Texas Longhorns. All them either. The Texas Longhorns, <laughs> despite all those great recruiting classes, they did not develop any of those guys into draft prospects. Ooh. Texas, what's happened? What's happened to Hook'em yeah. Horns, man? Hook'em Horns. They're not They're not looking very good. In other news, Formas' five-named team in baseball lost my Marlins two games out of three. Which you know there's a problem with Major League Baseball when the Mets and the Marlins are the top two in the NL East. Wow. And, uh, wow. It's going to be a good day because uh, my Lightning starts their championship run again against the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's your one uh, NHL post for the week. And, uh, yeah, so I hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk at y'all later. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. Let, let's, let's, let's dissect what Jamie did there. Jamie set the tone now for the week. Let me explain why. Jamie comes on, throws shade at Louisiana Tech, which we're always here for. That's first up. But then, with his baseball comment, he not only throws shade at you for your Mariners. By the way, did the calendar turn May over the weekend? Yeah, there it comes. There it comes. So not only does he throw shade at your Mariners for losing, he also inadvertently throws shade at me because my team is nowhere near first place in their own division. Yes, the Mets and the Marlins are atop the NL East. Braves, it's what Kevin Foote calls a hammock season. So not only does he throw shade at you, but also throw shade at me for our baseball teams together and throw shade at Louisiana Tech. Well thought out phone call by Mr. Green. Sets the table for the week for phone calls. Just saying. Just saying. Good job by Jamie. Good job. Good job by Jamie. Yeah, he's all about that Louisiana Tech hatred, too. So I I don't personally hate Louisiana Tech. I have friends that went there. I have good friends that went there. I, I have people that I know that work there that are colleagues that are friends. And they don't always do it, but there 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 is a, a section of the population that gets a little nutty. Um that represents Louisiana Tech and believes that they are the only university in the in the state. I'm like, you can't complain about LSU and LSU fans if you're Louisiana Tech fans when you do the same thing. Well, there are always, you know, there's more to this state than just LSU. Well, then uh, turn around and then you poke fun and think that you're better than UL and ULM and Grambling and Northwestern State. So you're doing the same thing. Sorry, Tech fan. Have to call you out on it. It's just how it is. <laughs> you can't you can't do the same thing that you're complaining about. It's just not how that works. You know, busy weekend, obviously. And we're going to get to the state softball tournaments coming up. Held them in Broussard and in Sulphur. We had it covered for you here on the game. I was in Sulphur for a couple days. Matt Miguez was down in Broussard for Friday and Saturday covering the state championships. And we'll get to that. And it was an immensely busy weekend, right? NFL draft three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then we had all the undrafted free agency, uh, free agent sign, like Cole Kelly from Turlings Catholic going to the Washington Commanders, like Trevor Beggy from uh, former STM Cougar and McNeese State Cowboy and Incarnate Word star 
going to the Chiefs. Isaiah Chambers getting a tryout with the Colts. Jamal Pettigrew from McNeese as well being signed by the Rams. So lots of draft, lots of college baseball. McNeese, LSU, UL all winning. Raging Cajun softball winning. But then you had multiple festivals going on at the same time. Festival International here. We shared a bunch of photos and videos with you from performances on Saturday night. We had people from our multiple stations taking part. Clint Domain, Steve Wiley, Tanya, everyone was out there. Okay, so we had Festival International going on. We had the Etouffee Festival going on in Arneville. Got to see Dustin Sonier perform. Took Hattie. Was there crushed? Did I experience being crushed? Yes. Because my daughter... First fair we ever took a tour, took her to was the Etouffee Festival. And the first ride she ever rode was the carousel. And I held her on the carousel, held her on the horse like a proud papa. She was only, I don't know, eight months old. So it's one of my favorite photos. So the wife took it while I was holding her on the carousel. She's smiling all happy. We get there. My wife bought the tickets beforehand. So we go to the Etouffee Festival, having a great time. Seeing some live music, getting some etouffee, getting some full boy sandwiches. It was her cheat day. Before you ask. So then we go to the fair portion. My daughter keeps giving me the look. I'm like, well, baby girl, what about this ride? Because we have these tickets. She's like, no. First ride she wants to go on? Zero gravity. The ride where you stand up in the steel cage and it spins you around really fast and then it turns you on your side? Yeah, seven years old. And I'm like, well, baby girl, you want me to go on there with you? No, Dad, I'm almost eight, for real. That's what I got. Dad, I'm almost eight now. Hello? (laughs) And then there were school friends there. So then it was really not wanting to do anything with Dad time. Dad thrown in the garbage. Boom, done. I was a little crushed, not going to lie to you. I was like, well, it's over. Had a good run. Seven years and some change. It's over now. I am no longer cool to hang out with. No longer. It's at seven, it's game over time. But she got on that thing. I got a video of it. She got on that bad boy and just went after it, man. Went after it. No fear whatsoever. She got off the ride and she was like, that wasn't scary. There's other bigger kids screaming their heads off on the zero gravity thing. My daughter gets off the ride. She goes, that wasn't scary. And then wanted to go on all the other big rides just like a boss little boy that she goes to school with they were boyfriend girlfriend for like a week now they're just friends we met up with them at the fair she said i want to go do this he said okay that was that kind of thing that poor little boy shout out to ethan so yeah we had fair great time but on top of the festivals garth brooks played at tiger stadium Credit my friend Ben Love for this because he posted something on Facebook about this, which is exactly true. He said, I can't wait in a few years when everyone I know claims they went to the Garth Brooks concert at Tiger Stadium, which is going to be one of those events. The seismic meter went off just like it did during the earthquake game back in 1989 when he played Colin Baton Rouge. Place erupted. You see the video. I saw, you know, I'm friends with a lot of people that went to the concert. 
And, of course, very cool atmosphere, right? They should have more of those events at Tiger Stadium. They're not using it in the offseason anyway. You have a few months there, utilize it for concerts. You could have it. Have big mega concert like that. So, yeah, we had a lot of people. George Faust, I know, here locally went. Some others went. I knew some people that went. But there'll be a ton of people. That'll be one of the things in a few years where you'll run into people like, oh, yeah, I saw Garth Brooks at uh, Tiger Stadium. Really? There'll be like a, 2 million people that say they went to a show that only held 100,000 people. <laughs> but that's how that'll work. Busy, busy weekend, man. Busy weekend. Lots to do. Lots to entertain yourself with. Whew. Yeah, good run with the daughter. Seven, done. I did get to ride something with her at the end. Now, see, early, she... she and she didn't even want me, like, to do the, the carnival games. She wanted to do them all by herself. Seven years old, fully grown now. Boom. I got this, Dad. All right. Like a boss. Just running the fair. But at the end... While the wife was in line for something, we had to kill some time, so we had some ride tickets left. We gave some other ones away. That's what we always do. When we have our extra ride tickets, we give them to somebody. We'll see a family like, hey, do you want some ride tickets? They're like, oh, thank you. So we had a couple left. So, yeah, daddy-daughter on the carousel. She even, she even took a photo. Made me feel good. Made me feel not completely crushed. That my daughter, now at seven, does not need her dad anymore. It's done. I'm running the fair. What? What's up? A2 Faith Festival. Seven years old. I got this. Got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk state softball tournaments. They wrapped up over the weekend. Had a couple teams play for state championships. Only one was able to get the hardware as state champion. We'll recap it for you next. Right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. State softball tournaments for the first time in a long time were not held exclusively in sulfur. Typically, the fast pitch 56 is held there. And this year, the select schools held their state championships in Broussard. Public schools, the non-select, still held theirs over in sulfur. And to be perfectly frank with you, it was a little different. The energy was a little different. Always love covering the state softball tournament. It is the best state championship event the state puts on by far 
The thing that the one thing that maybe comes close to it would be what the top twenty eight used to be when it was held in the Cajun Dome. Pre split back in the day, like twenty years ago. But state softball tournament year in, year out, the energy's great. They have all the volunteers that come out. There's an electricity. You feel it when you're walking up to the park because you got action on all the fields constantly going on at the same time. And even when they switched the format from no longer having the quarterfinals and they just had the semifinals and the finals due to the split, you still felt the energy. But I did notice this past weekend it was a little off. Didn't take me as long to get to the park either because the select schools weren't there. They're playing in Broussard. You actually had one of the fields empty throughout the entire tournament, through the entire weekend. It was different. Still great, but just different. And just a reminder that they shouldn't be playing their state championships at separate locations. That's just absolutely silly. Absolutely silly. Once again, this is a byproduct of the split. We won't go into a rant about that this morning because we're having a good morning, but it's just unnecessary and you take away from the kids. You grow up wanting to play at the fast pitch 56. If you're a softball player and winning in sulfur, you're taking away from the kids. Same thing with not playing your state championship games in the Superdome. It's just, it's just dumb. And adults should be able to put together, put aside their egos and fix this. Really. Because, really. Come on now. We, we've done this long enough. But I digress. I was in Sulphur for the public schools. Matt Miguez, our afternoon host, crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. He was handling the coverage in Broussard. And we had multiple teams that arrived for the state semifinals. Over in Sulphur, in Class 4A, Beauchamp and Eunice High advanced to the state semifinals. And Port Berry got there for 2A. Port Berry was the only one to advance to Saturday. Both Eunice High and Beauchamp were eliminated on Friday in the semifinal round, and Port Berry had a chance. And they were playing the defending state champs, the Manny Tigers. Their pitcher for Manny already going to LSU Alexandria on a scholarship, so she's playing at the next level. They're the defending champs. Port Berry, well, look, they had a great run in the late 90s, early 2000s, where they won the state championship in 2000 and then went back-to-back years, finishing as runner-up in 2001-2002. So they went three straight years playing for a state championship. But the program had fallen off a little bit. It just had. It fallen off a little bit, unfortunately. That said, they still found a way to get back here. Great season. And we had Jacques Swallow on last week, the Port Berry head softball coach, only in his second year at the helm. And he's already turned him around, 20-plus wins this year. And they advance all the way to the state championship game. They fall short, losing three to nothing. They had opportunities early in this game, stranded four base runners in, throughout the first three innings. Credit Manny's defense for snagging balls that you thought were go- looking like they were going to be hits. They turned them into outs. And Tia Holmes, who was your MVP, she got the job done in the circle. So they fall short. They finish as runner-up, state runner-up, 
And that is, I do believe, the fourth or fifth time they've done that in their program history. But still, a breakthrough season for the Red Devils. And Coach Swallow talked about how this team can now build upon this result, can build on this season and lay a foundation for great seasons yet to come. I'm hoping being here, uh, winning a one nothing game against Kinder, which was, yeah. that was a great game, um, playing Manny really well. I hope it lays the groundwork for, you know, future trips over here and, you know, they'll learn from this. They'll learn, look, they won a classic game. That game on Friday versus Kinder, that was a one nothing game. There was like five hits total in that game. It was a pitcher's duel. They got after it. Great victory for Port Berry over the Kinder Yellow Jackets on Friday. And look, they're starting to turn things around. And look, Port Berry hasn't had a lot to cheer on when it comes to their athletic teams in recent years. They've been down across the board. The community, though, came out, man. The, the, the stands were packed field of Red Devil fans, and they lined the, the, the first baseline down that side because the fans were on the, the, the first baseline side for poor Barry. And he talked about just how great it was having that community support. I don't think there was anybody left in Port Barry. <laughs> um, there was a lot of people, and they, they, they show up and they, they show out. And uh, I'm proud to coach this team and proud to coach in that community. So they finish as state runner-up. Also finishing as state runner-ups were the Opelousas Catholic Vikings. They were there. They played, obviously, their games in Broussard down the road. They advanced to the state championship round, but they just fall short. They fall short on Saturday as well. And their coach, Coach Petrie, talked about afterwards the fact that this team, their focus is that they're going to learn a lot from their state championship defeat. It's special. I just I hope they uh, they get something out of it and they learn from it and um, realize that it is possible. You know, it's it's been a while since kids that went to OC and played softball realized that it was possible to get here, and and now now they know that sometimes that's all it takes. You know, we talk about it all the time in sports. A team, once they get to the playoffs or make a, a like a little run in the playoffs, that's what they need before taking that next step, right? It, you, it, you break through with a playoff run. Then after that, you figure out what exactly is needed to get to the next level. And when you have a season like OC did, where they make it all the way to the Division Four state championship game, you can build on that. And... You can continue doing that. And look, Coach Petrie, Will Petrie, the Opelousas Catholic softball coach, talked about, you know, look, it's not the result that they're looking for, but they're going to build on it. Uh, well, like I just told them, I, I think that uh, it didn't end the way we wanted, but um, when we wake up tomorrow morning, we'll realize that we were the greatest team in OC softball history. No, we've never made it this far before. Nobody's made it to the – OC's never made it to the finals. Um and I'm pretty sure we have the most wins in school history for softball. So um, it's it's disappointing to to end with a loss, but at the end of the day, it was a great season. So. They fall to Calvary Baptist eight to four. They have never played in a state championship game. The softball team had never played in one. 
So now you go all the way to the state championship round, and now this is something that you can build on because now this will become the floor, so to speak. It won't be the ceiling anymore. Now this becomes the floor for the team. And speaking of excellence, credit the Notre Dame Lady Pios. Another state championship. They're third in a row. Whew, man, they got a dynasty going over there in Crowley. They beat St. Charles Catholic 6-4 in the Division Three state championship game there at St. Julian Park in Broussard. Dale Seurat just keeps leading them to championships. Macy Bergeron, she's going to be an absolute star in college. She wraps up her, wins yet another state championship in her illustrious high school career. And, you know, head coach Dale Seurat talked about his thoughts on the team being able to hold on to win this ballgame in spite St. Charles beginning to rally late in the ballgame. Yeah, actually, actually, the scores were six four. The board was burnt, so we, we knew we had a two run, a two run gap, and uh, we just wanted to try to, you know, we wanted to come in and, and, and kind of maintain some force, and hopefully we can pound the ball and get some ground balls. And uh, she got the ground balls we wanted. We just didn't make the plays behind it. Uh, but you know, we have a resilient group. Their you know their mindset is really good. They're strong to know that you know not to hit the panic button to still play. And uh, be able to come up and make that double play. That's probably the biggest play of the game. Macy Bergeron's the one that made that double play to help get them out of the jam and win their third consecutive state championship. And she's headed to LSU to continue her career. And she was asked afterwards, you know, why she decided to go play for the Tigers. Um, I mean, it's my home state. Um, I've always been an LSU fan, and I just want to be something for Louisiana, like show little girls that people from Louisiana can do things like that. So Notre Dame is your lone champion out of Acadiana when it comes to state softball, but OC and Port Berry put together sensational runs. Also credit the other teams that made it to the state semifinals like STM, Northside Christian, Bo Shan and Eunice High. Congratulations on great seasons to all those girls and their coaches. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Jeff Plermo will join us. Big weekend for the Tigers. They win it in walk-off fashion against the Bulldogs to take two or three from Georgia in a top 20 battle. Jeff will recap it for us all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 2nd, 1998. Maurice native Kent DeSormo rides atop Real Quiet in the 124th Kentucky Derby. Real Quiet wins the running of the Roses with a time of 202.20. The win is the first of three Kentucky Derby wins for the Hall of Fame jockey. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Jay Johnson's LSU baseball team got themselves a hard-fought series victory over the weekend. Taking two or three from Ugga, K. Doty hits the walk-off two-run blast in the bottom of the ninth yesterday for the series victory. How important was this series win for LSU to continue to improve their standing to possibly get one of those regional sites or at least get a better two-seed placement? To break all that down for us will be our good friend, the man from Tiger Rag Radio, also news and sports director for the Louisiana Radio Network, the one and only Mr. Jeff Palermo. Jeff, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Raymond. How about yourself? I'm doing well. So let's start right there. How important, how big of a deal is it for LSU to take the series like they did yesterday in dramatic fashion against a top 20 ranked opponent? Well, it's big. I mean, we were talking about this last week. I really think the magic number for LSU to be a host site in an S- in the NCAA tournament is if they can get the 17 conference win. So right now, that gets them that win yesterday gets them to a 12 and nine in league play. You got nine more conference games, so that tells you right there what you need to do is go five and four, and that's a little bit easier than having to go six and three, which means you basically have to win your final three series so for uh, LSU uh, I mean it's it's to me it's big it, it certainly is because uh, when you look at the, the the rest of their their schedule here uh, it, it is certainly doable for them to go uh, to, to at least go five and four over these final nine conference games so they got that opportunity it's right there in front of them um, I mean, I know, uh, you know, they'll play Alabama this weekend. They'll go on the road to play uh, Alabama. Uh, Ole Miss uh, is their final home series in SEC play this weekend. And uh, the Rebels have been struggling, but they certainly have top 10 talent, especially through their lineup. And they close it out against Vanderbilt. So it's right there ahead of them uh, as long as they can uh, finish out strong here. You know, Kay Doty comes up clutch there with the two-run blast, but it was really a team effort all weekend long. And let's go all the way back to Friday. Hilliard didn't have his best stuff, right? It wasn't sensational, but it was good enough for them to get the job done. What did you make of how they were able to set the tone right off the bat with Mikhail on the on the mound? Well, again, Hilliard has been really fantastic for him. I, I mean, just giving you just solid starts, exactly what you need on a – a Friday night or how you open up an SEC series. You mentioned it wasn't the best. Uh, again, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's just going to go out there and dominate, you know, throw seven innings and hold the opposing team to three or four hits. He's going to allow base runners. I mean, he allowed 11 of them basically because he, he, he walked three and he gave up eight hits, but he got seven strikeouts and he, he kept LSU uh, right there. Um, he, he, you know, what's, once LSU gave him the lead back after he gave up the two runs in the third, LSU gets the lead back with two runs uh, of their own in that third inning. Uh, he he shut the door down, basically. And then LSU's bullpen, uh, which has been really good with Razelman, Cooper, and Gervais, uh, those guys were solid again on Friday night. And uh, To me, I know the bullpen didn't pitch that great on Saturday. Saturday was a bit of a rough day for LSU given up to 12 runs. Uh, there's, you know, they, there's, uh, you know, they struggled there. Razelman didn't have nearly as good of a game 
on uh, Saturday as he did on Friday. Uh, but other than that, really big that, – that, that, you know, giving up the dozen runs and the 17 hits on Saturday, and I think the bullpen has been really fantastic for him. That was just one of those days where it, it kind of got away from him. You know, the lineup has had its ups and downs. We know this team can rake. That's what Jay Johnson brings to the table. Getting timely hits has at times been issue throughout the season, but it sure does seem like they're a little bit more consistent as we as the calendar turns to May. Is that a fair assessment? Well, I think the lineup is consistent now, right? You have Josh Pearson is in right field, and then, uh, you know, I know in uh, yesterday – Andrew Stevenson has been normally the guy out there in left field ever since the injury uh, to Gavin Dugas, but they had Bianco out there in left field yesterday, at least to start. Uh, but for the most part, um, the, the lineup has been uh, has, has settled in. Now, Jay did switch it up a little bit yesterday. Uh, I mean, he had Dylan Cruz leading off, but mainly it's been Pearson leading off, and then you got Stevenson batting ninth. And you move you move Trey Morgan down into the middle of the lineup. Um, you know Jacob Berry and Kay Doty. I mean, as long as those guys continue to hit, uh, along with Dylan Cruz, who hit you know two huge home runs yesterday for you. I mean, when you got those three guys hitting, uh, and you add in obviously Trey Morgan and, and Joe Bear is is doing some good things for you. Uh, they're going to get their fair share of clutch hits, and they were able to do that or they've been able to do that. I, I think the fact that they've kind of settled in to uh, a little bit more of a regular lineup, there's not as much, you know, experimenting with this and that and shuffling guys from, you know, playing from second to third and, and all those things that they've been doing to, to try to, to, to figure things out. Now that the lineup is pretty consistent other than swapping out the catcher and maybe making some minor adjustments here or there, I think it, I think it allows for the offense to be more consistent and more productive uh, when you have those clutch opportunities. We're talking with Jeff Palermo, Tiger Rag Radio, also Louisiana Radio Network. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. How concerned should people be about Blake Money being a legitimate number two starter for this rotation? Well, that's I mean that's the thing really going into this once they get into postseason, and I think once you get beyond um, even the SEC tournament, because uh, we've seen LSU before throw guys in the SEC tournament that really haven't had very good seasons, and at least for one game at Hoover, they they do well, and LSU wins and keeps advancing. But, yeah, no, it, it just uh, ever since Blake Money suffered that, that wrist injury or whatever it was, uh, he hasn't pitched very well. But then again, the competition has been much better than what he faced early on in the season when he was when he was dominating. But they just—that's the thing about this team. That's really what's missing is just some dominant frontline starting pitchers. And again, Mikhail Hilliard has been more than serviceable. He's been outstanding for them, but they just don't have. Uh, some guys uh, that can shut you down, and and that's what, or or can really pitch well. Um, you know, as far as um, when when you get into a, a regional or super regional series, and, it, and if you end up throwing a guy like Blake Money and he gives up, you know, three runs in two innings like he did on Saturday, that 
that might be it. I mean, that, that might be just too much of a deficit to overcome. And they just don't have enough quality starting pitching. Now, they've, they've shown the ability where they can really mix and match and they can rely on that bullpen for the most part. But you, you just don't want to see them, when you get into postseason play, lose games in the first three innings. And the way it's, it's kind of the, the way LSU's set up at the moment, I mean, that's, that's kind of the possibility. But I, I will say that um, I think Dutton has pitched very well for him this season. He's done a nice job. Uh, he gave him another really good outing yesterday, four and two-thirds and striking out four. But, and his ERA is well before, below three. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it would be great if you had just uh, someone else, uh, another guy other than Mikhail Hilliard that you can give the ball to and tell you um, go get a six, seven innings and, and hold the uh, opposing team to less than four runs and don't blow up early in the game. But they don't. I don't know if they necessarily have that guy. I don't know. Maybe maybe Dutton does turn into that guy for them once uh, postseason play begins. All right, Jeff, we'll get you out of here with a softball question because the weekend started off so well there at Tiger Park for the LSU softball team as they beat number nine Florida like a drum, nine to one in only six innings. But then they lose the next two games, including a heartbreaker in the ninth inning, two to one on Sunday to lose the series they only have one more series left that's against Mississippi State on the road in Starkville what do you make of what you've seen from Beth Trina's team who now is 11 and 10 in conference play well they have been playing better as of late they've been getting better pitching you know outside of that nine to one defeat uh, or outside of the you know losing on Saturday they they have been getting a little bit better pitching uh they, they pitched it well yesterday um, they, they're, they're, they're playing better. Uh, they've had some really, some tough struggles this season, you know, getting swept at Texas was a, was a tough series for them. Getting swept by Kentucky was, was not easy for them, but, um, the SEC and softball, man, you know, you, you talk about baseball, but it, it's, it's brutal in softball as well. I mean, that was a really good Florida team that they faced, uh, this past weekend. Um, Maybe, you know, last weekend they had to feel so good about themselves um, after winning in extra innings against Georgia, 9-5, to five, and then to, to lose yesterday 2-1. to one. So, yeah, you finish it up against Mississippi State. That's a team that you should do relatively well in. Uh, they're one of the, um, you know, the, the bottom feeders here in the SEC. But also when you kind of look at it here, I mean, it's, they, they, uh, they're probably. I, I can't see them hosting a regional this year, but um, you know, as, as long as they can get the pitching that they've been getting lately here, uh, it seems like the bats have really come around for Beth Arena's team. And when the, they, they can score with anybody, they just got to get a little bit more consistent in the circle. Jeff, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy Tiger Rag Radio this week, and we'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right, sounds good. Thanks. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll update the poll question of the day and close out hour number two. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't go through another summer with that awful joint pain. Call QC Kinetics right now. Hey. 
It's Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. That pain in your back, your knees, your shoulder, it can be now treated with the latest in precision medicine using natural biologics. Growth factors that can be restored and repaired damaged tissue. Really exciting stuff here. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine, giving you access right here to this modern-day joint pain solution. You can get lasting joint pain relief with no drugs, no steroids, no downtime, and guess what? No surgery. You've heard Emmett Smith raving about QC Kinetics. You've read or seen other high-profile people talking about it. Regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can help you get your life back. Take action right now. Get a free consultation. Powerful, effective joint pain treatments with natural biologics are here right now. Call QC Kinetics, 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. Poll question of the day. We asked you, which Saints draft pick will make the biggest impact? Once again, the Houdats took Five players in this year's draft, two in the first round, one in the second, one in the fifth, and one in the sixth. But they also signed 17 undrafted free agents. And we asked you, which one of their draft picks will make the biggest impact? 57% of you say Chris Alave. 32% say Trevor Penny. 11% say DeMarco Jackson, the Sunbelt Conference Defensive Player of the Year from Appalachian State. Good linebacker. That kid is a tackling machine. Don't sleep on him. But no votes for Alante Taylor. Look, Alante, versatile athlete. Telling you, do not be surprised if their second-round pick makes a huge impact for this team. They find ways to take those second-round picks. Marcus Williams, second-round pick. Eric McCoy, second-round pick. Michael Thomas, second-round pick. You see a trend? Those second-rounders are going to make a bit of impact. I agree. I think Alave is the most ready guy from day one, especially the way he runs his routes. He's a great route runner. But Penny could be the guy that could be the franchise tackle for a decade. And Alante Taylor, I'm telling you, don't sleep on that kid. He has versatility, and Dennis Allen loves having that in his defense. He can be an impact player kind of like what Chauncey Gardner-Johnson did as a fourth-round pick a few years ago. Remember Chauncey? Made an immediate impact as a rookie. Don't be surprised if you see Alante do that as well. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update it throughout the final hour. It's 7.57, which means hour number two is coming to a close on this Monday morning. But when we return, we're going to talk all things Raging Cajuns, NFL draft, and huge baseball softball series this past weekend with our buddy Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, joins us live next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
Welcome back to RP3 and Company 803 on this lovely Monday morning. I'm your host, Raymond Parts III. Of course, I'm joined in the studio by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, always beaming with positivity. Always. She's so positive. She's going to carry that positivity into league play tonight. Going to go out there, bowl 200. Prediction right there. Done. Competitors, go ahead and quit right now. You stand no chance against the woman with five names. We had a great show so far today. We've covered a lot of ground, right? NFL draft, state softball tournament, busy weekend on the diamond for both college baseball and softball teams. Woo! Lots going on over the course of the weekend. And we haven't even touched on the Houston Astros dropping two of three. We'll do that a little bit later on. But right now, as we kick off hour number three of RP3 and Company, it's time for us to talk all things Raging Cajuns. Great weekend. Softball, sweep. Baseball takes a series on the road. They would have liked to have swept it, of course, but winning a road series in conference play, immensely difficult to do. They did that. Oh, and a good weekend for the Raging Cajuns as a couple players heard their name called and were drafted into the National Football League. To break it all down for us, of course, is going to be our friend Jay Walker. Listen up, UL fans. It's time to talk all things Raging Cajuns with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker. Here is Calling Cajuns on RP3 and Company. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm terrific, by the way. Um, Hannah Five Names is always enthusiastic and positive when she calls me. There it is. It's what she does. It's what she brings to the table, my friend. Mm-hmm. And 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 Seattle plays Houston tonight. Oh, there it is. There it is. All right, bud. Let's get to let's get to the diamond first of all. The games that you were calling. I, I, I've said this. It's always difficult to to win a series on the road, much less sweep. But to win a series on the road is always difficult. Cajuns take care of business in Boone, North Carolina. I know Deggs was disappointed not getting the sweep on Sunday, but they crushed the faces of the Mountaineers in games one and two. Give me your big takeaways on what you saw there in Boone, North Carolina over the weekend. Well, you know, it's crazy because you're going to play six in a row conference games on the road. And if you say ahead of time, look, we're going to win five out of six, I think, you know, everybody would have taken that. But when you win the first five and lose the sixth one, everybody's mad, you know. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, that's uh, you know that's kind of that's kind of what happened. Um, you know, they could have done something yesterday with a win that's never been done in school history, and that's th- sweep three consecutive road conference series because they swept at Arkansas State, they swept at Georgia State, so that didn't happen. But they won their sixth consecutive weekend series, and that hasn't been done since 2016, and that year the Cajuns hosted a regional. So I think, I think there's a lot of positives here. Uh, obviously, they were seriously raking the, um, the first two games. Um, I kind of knew Sunday was going to be different when they went out in order in the first inning, and then, uh, you know, they, they got generous on the mound. And when that happens, uh, you're going to have a, a difficult time beating anybody. And, uh, you know, uh, App State had, I think, only one extra base hit, but they had double-digit hits, and, you know, they wind up winning the game. 
wind up winning the game. And you're exactly right. You know, you lose the final game, but they were on the road. Another series win, another road series victory for this team. And man, I, I just I, look. I've seen them play at home, Jay, and and they've played well. Don't don't get me wrong. This is not a criticism, but it sure does seem like this team is kind of gelled, and this team seems like it's built to play on the road now. I that I, I feel like they're a better road team than they are a home team. That could be I complete could be completely off base there, but it sure does feel that way. Well, I think one of the reasons it feels that way is because three of the last four series have been on the road. Uh, you haven't you haven't played at home, and so it's really hard to make that comparison because you've had you know three home games and I think twelve road games out of the last fifteen. The fact that they've gone out and won the majority of those road games does speak well for them. Um, they've got seven left at home, uh, and and we'll see. You know, geez, I don't know if if they don't lose the middle game of that ULM series. Gosh, are we even having this conversation? Um, mm. But it's, you know, they, they've just played a lot more on the road, and that's probably why it seems that they're better on the road because they've been on the road and they've been winning. They're currently right now third in the Sunbelt Conference standings. They're only a game back of Georgia Southern, so they could easily overcome, you know, overtake them, so to speak, for second place. And then Texas State, you know, they're 17-4 and four in conference. They're your leaders there in the Sun Belt, but they still have a series against the Bobcats. That's going to be huge for them. This coming weekend, expectations should be, they do they need, I guess my question, Jay, is do they need to sweep UTA, who's the worst team in the conference? Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, look, there's only one thing that you can control between now and the end of the season, and that's what you do in the field. You know, you can't control what's going to happen to your RPI. You can't control what your opponents are doing, which affects your RPI. You can't control what your opponents' opponents are doing, which affects your RPI. All you can do is do what's in front of you. And these are games the Cajuns should win. It, does it mean they're going to? No. They could go out, get real generous again um, with, with walks and, and hit batsmen and timely hits and lose a game. I mean, that conceivably could happen. But no, this is a series the Cajuns need to sweep. As a matter of fact, you know, I think if, if you're going to stay in the conversation for an at-large bid to the, uh, to the NCAA tournament, I think you've got to win most of what you have left. Um, and that's going to include that trip to San Marcos the following weekend. Now, Texas State's good. They're not invincible. Uh, they win a lot of games because they get a lot of help. They draw a lot of walks. They do all of those things, and then they get big-time hits. Now, that team can really swing it, and they got a couple of guys at the front of the rotation and one at the back that are really good. But you know what? I'm watching this Cajun team, and I'm watching them come together and gel offensively. And as long as the pitching staff isn't generous, they can beat anybody on their schedule, and that includes Texas State. Right now, their most up-to-date RPI rankings from the NCAA is at their 50th. Mm-hmm. So they have a really good chance of getting into a regional. Let's say they don't win the series against Texas State. Do you still believe that they're going to get in as an at-large, or do you think they need to make a run in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament up in Montgomery where the Biscuits play? Well, I, I don't think that they can go out and go 0-2 in the Conference Tournament. I, you know, As a matter of fact... I don't know that anybody in the Sun Belt can afford to do that. Um, 
you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have opportunities in the conference tournament. But you have seven teams in the RPI Top 100. So you're going to have opportunities to improve your resume once you get to Montgomery. And the deeper you go in the tournament, the better your at-large chances are going to be. Now, you know, one of the things that – and let's, let me say this about RPI. If it was the only thing that matters, we wouldn't need a selection committee. We would just take the RPI and just go ahead and start throwing out at-large people. Um, you have a committee, and other things get looked at. How strong is your conference and where did you finish is a big part of that. And if you're in the, the – right now, the best-rated G5 conference in America, and you come away with – 2021 20, 22 conference wins that's going to mean something to the committee so the rpi is just a number i don't worry about it the only thing the cajuns can control is what they do on the field just go win and then make the committee select you and i think you do that by winning as many games as you can during the regular season and then make a run in the conference tournament and build your resume there we're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, brother, let's talk softball. Obviously, you were on the road doing baseball, but you keep an eye on what happens back home. And Jerry Glasgow's team sweeps Coastal Carolina on senior day. To, I'm sorry, wins the doubleheader on senior day to complete the series sweep. And they only have one series remaining uh, before the regular season wraps up. What do you make of what you're seeing from Jerry Glasgow's team here coming down the final week of the season? Well, I'll start with welcome back, Raina O'Neill. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that's big. That's big for this team. You know, the other thing, though, about them, and, uh, you know, I, I wound up uh, stepping in and doing a game uh, against Houston uh, because Steve was ill. And, you know, just watching this team, Jerry's got an awful lot of interchangeable parts. You know, he's probably, you know, you only put nine on the field at the, in the lineup card at the time, but he's probably got about 13 players that could be in the starting lineup on any given day. And he can do a lot of matching up according to, you know, what he, what he sees when he scouts and stuff. Um, they, they were able to overcome the loss of Raina O'Neill, who's an awfully good player. And, you know, now she's back healthy. I, I think the pitching has become a lot more consistent. Um, I still still hold my breath sometimes with their defense, but the other two parts of their game are solid. Now they have to go take care of their business in Monroe, you know, because South Alabama's nipping on their uh, on their heels, and you want to be the number one seed going into the tournament next week. So this week is still very big for them uh, on the road at ULM. They need those games just to go ahead and make sure you get the top seed and. Um, get some momentum uh, going into Mobile the following week. All right, bud, let's talk NFL draft. It was a good weekend for the Raging Cajuns as Max Mitchell and Percy Butler heard their names called there in the fourth round. You know, we talked about it before. If you can do multiple things like Percy can do, in particular play special teams, that's what NFL teams covet when they're building together their rosters. Percy gets to go to Washington to play for Ron Rivera and the Commanders. Max is headed to New York, or New Jersey rather, to play for the Jets. What do you make of the two former Raging Cajuns hearing their names called in round four? Uh, round four is about what I expected. Uh, I thought Max might have had a chance to go late in the third, 
Um, but round four is kind of where I had them pegged. And boy, it was one of those things, Ray, if you got up and went to the bathroom, you might have missed both picks yeah, yeah. because they, they came in pretty rapid fire succession. Happy for both of those guys. Uh, I agree with you about Percy Butler. Percy Butler's going to make the commanders because he's a demon on special teams. Um, and and Max is, uh, I think, got a bright future uh, in New York. You know, just very happy for them. They're both high-character guys. And when you deal with high-character, you've got to root for those folks. So I, I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm also happy for the three that signed free agent contracts, and I wish – the best for them. Their road's going to be a little bit longer, but you know there are teams that have recognized the talent and said, "Hey, you know, come, we're going to give you a shot." So, uh, really happy though for Max and Percy. I think they're they're going to do a great job and have great careers if they stay healthy with both of those teams. Yeah, for Rod Gardner going to Washington as well, and of course Levi Lewis signing with the Seattle Seahawks. All right, bud, I'll get you out of here with this. Um, this kind of snuck up on me. Theo Kuba apparently is going to make a decision today on what school he's going to be transferring to, whether that's Ole Miss or Iowa. Uh, looks like Rebels are probably the front runners there. How big of a loss is having Theo Kuba leave the Raging Cajuns basketball program? Well, you know, I mean, Theo's a good player. Um, you know, you're going to miss him. Uh, you know, Theo. Uh, Theo's got – Theo's looking out for his family here, okay? And that's the reason he went in the transfer portal to begin with. There's some, there's some NIL money coming his way, and, um, and his family can use it. So that was really the impetus for him entering the portal to begin with. And, um, you know, I, he'll make a decision uh, one way or the other between Iowa and Ole Miss, and, and you know, we'll see. And I, I hope he has a, a great final season. Um, you know, the Cajuns will probably go into the portal or, or into, into JUCO and find a big guy to replace him. Uh, you know, you're going to have Jordan Brown back, and uh, assuming Isaiah Richards is taking care of his business, uh, those two guys plus uh, an improving Joe Charles, and then you need to add one more. And I think that, you know, I think that's Bob Marlin's priority right now. Uh, he found his point guard. Uh, he got the, the, the second team junior college All American uh, to sign at the end of last week. Yeah, and and so now you know finding one more big guy is a priority. Sure, they'll miss Theo, but um, I don't think it's going to break that basketball team because all of the other pieces are going to be returning, and there's some pretty good players that'll be coming back to play for the Cajuns next year. So, and this uh, and, 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 and this is just the new reality. Yeah. For a program like the Raging Cajuns, right, where yeah. you're gonna you're gonna develop someone and turn them into uh, all conference player, and then bigger schools are gonna come and try to poach them. Yeah, and you're also gonna have bigger schools going to bigger schools. I don't know if you're paying attention to what's happening at Texas Tech, but Mark Adams has got some guys leaving and going into the portal. Yeah. Now, now midnight last night was your um, your deadline your deadline yeah. to inform your school that you were entering the portal. So, you know, if they haven't done it by now, they're not going to do it without having to sit out a year. But, uh, look, the portal is what the portal is, and the fewer guys you have enter it, the better off you are. It's that simple. Jay, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy your upcoming week, my friend. We'll talk to you next Monday. I look forward to it. Thanks so much. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll update the poll question of the day. Hey, you want to get your phone calls in? Give us a call. Game hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111.
You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves, just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for downtown rising with the ultimate downtown rising VIP experience. You can score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the actual Cold War kids. That's right, your headliner. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for downtown rising featuring Cold War kids on Saturday, June the 4th. The Ultimate Downtown Rising VIP Experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Radar Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. Which Saints draft pick will make the biggest impact for this team? 58-57% of you say Chris Olave. 32% say Trevor Penny, and 11% say DeMarco Jackson will make the biggest impact. And obviously, a lot of you are saying Alave right off the bat, but some of you are saying long-term, Trevor Penny may be the more valuable player. He may be the more impactful player because you could have very well got to see how things shake out. Sometimes guys look like they're going to be really good, and then they end up being Andres Pete. We understand this. Not all of them can be winners. But with the kid from Northern Iowa, he could be your franchise left tackle for a decade. A lot to still have to be figured out there, but he could be the better long-term pro. But Alave is ready. He's a great route runner. He can get after it like it's nobody's business. I think, I think the Saints did well across the board with their draft they got the wide receiver who's ready to play right now there's not going to be a learning curve as much with him so you get him right off the bat you get your left tackle that you need you get a versatile defensive back in Alante Jackson so you get a lot of what you need right there I'm sorry Alante Taylor my apologies Alante Taylor the young man out of Tennessee then they took Jackson's in the fifth and sixth round DeMarco Jackson, he's a tackling machine from Appalachian State. He could definitely probably earn a spot on special teams. And at the backup linebacker position, you can't have enough linebackers. Elante Taylor is a versatile defensive back. Alave's good to go now, route runner. But I love what the Saints did. They got the wide receiver they needed, ready to go, day one. Possibly have secured their franchise left tackle. Does he need some grooming 
Are there things where he lacks some discipline there when it during the middle of a play? Yes. But his reputation is he's an excellent worker, hard worker. You could develop him. May take a little while, but he could develop into a franchise left tackle. Alante, versatile DB. You know Dennis Allen's going to love using him. Don't be surprised if Alante makes the type of impact that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson did as a rookie. Because he's versatile. He just is. And Jackson, the linebacker at Appalachian State. Man, that kid's a tackling machine. I saw him multiple times over the years as App State and UL battled on the gridiron year after year. Kid can play, man. Now, is he a starting linebacker in the NFL? Mm, Probably not, but he could be a good reserve player and special teamer. And that's what you need. That's what you do with those late-round picks. Yeah, you hope they may flourish into a star, but that's not always the case. You're doing some roster building there. That's the key. That's the key. You find guys that can help your team out. And that's what they did. They addressed their needs, and they found guys, and they went out and signed 17 undrafted free agents that can help them. The Dixon kid from Nichols, I, look, I just saw Kevin Foote in the hallway during the timeout. We talked about Dixon. He loves that kid, and so do I. We saw him play the Cajuns, and I saw him play against McNeese in the spring and in the fall. Kid can flat out play. The Dixon kid, if he stays healthy, I'm telling you right now, the Dixon kid will take someone's spot on the roster. Someone is going to lose their job at the end of training camp if Dixon's healthy because that kid can flat out play ball. Flat out can play ball. And that wide receiving core, which was a hindrance last year, they had a bunch of guys that can't catch. You know what Dixon can do? Catch. Catch, 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 catch. Telling you, if he can stay healthy, do not be surprised the undrafted free agent, Dixon out of Nichols, the wide receiver, takes somebody's space on that roster. Telling you. Could very well happen. Let's get to some comments on Facebook for our poll question of the day. Jamie says, this draft class in UDFA group has me worried. My Bucks didn't do nearly as well this year. Yeah, it sure does seem that the change in leadership there may have impacted Tampa. Robert says, your Bucks should be worried as they, the Saints always beat them anyway. <laughs> Martin says, Saints had a good draft, would grade them an A draft grade, and that's coming from a Cowboys fan. It was hard for me to do that, but I'm in generous mood this morning. Well, Martin's being generous this morning. Shout out to him. Randy says, Trevor Penning, but we definitely need a quarterback. Heinous Jameis will not be able to get it done. Saints would be better off with Nick Foles or Baker Mayfield. Randy, have you seen Baker Mayfield play? Y'all want to hate on Jameis, man. I just don't get it. It's a weird thing with Saints fans. There's a group of Saints fans that are stands of Jameis Winston and will fight somebody in the parking lot about it. And there's other people that do nothing but troll him and hate him. You, you both realize he's somewhere in the middle, right? He's not Drew Brees. No one's going to be Drew Brees. Nick Foles? Nick Foles? Nick Foles had one, like, good postseason run. Y'all want Nick Foles? No. No, 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 no. 
Jameis, is be, Jameis will be fine. Andy Dalton is just as good as Nick Foles. And you already got him on the roster. Don't need any of that mess. Mess. As Robert points out, were they not 5-2 and two and on pace to make the playoffs before his injury? 14-3 touchdown to interception ratio, 102.8 quarterback rating. Yeah, I, y- y- y'all want to make Jameis Winston out to be pure garbage. He's not. He's a serviceable, right now serviceable, starting quarterback. A lot of teams wish they had that. See the Carolina Panthers. Got to take a timeout. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming on the poll question of the day. When we return, Tina Howell, our friend from Canal Street Chronicles, going to recap the Saints draft and where they stand here. And what about those reports that they're aggressively pursuing Tyron Matthew? Does she think that can become a reality? We'll talk about that next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. Two, four, niner, five, six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Richard Seafood Patio is some of the best boiled crawfish, but also serves up boiled shrimp, crabs. They got fried and grilled seafood as well, pool boys, and a seafood buffet. Who's hungry? Go sign up right now for the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio. But once again, you can only score that $50 gift certificate by signing up for our clubhouse. Go sign up for the Rewards Club right now at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Which Saints draft pick is going to make the biggest impact? Chris Olave, Trevor Penny, Alante Taylor, or DeMarco Jackson? Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll finalize that before we sign off today. But it's 8.37 a.m. on this glorious Monday morning. It's time for our final guest to join us. She's the editor of Canal Street Chronicles. It's time for us to talk with Tina Howe. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. They give to Camara. Breaks through. Spins at the two. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Tina, good morning to you. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. All right, let's start off. What did you make of the Saints' approach and their execution of the draft? Overall, I was really pleased. We got our wide receiver. We got our help on the O-line for Jameis. 
So overall, I was happy. Uh, questionable at some of the other positions because I felt like there were bigger needs. But after getting a chance to kind of do my, my eval on the players, I, I give them a, a B minus overall for for all their picks. All right. What'd you make of the fact that they barely had to give up really anything to trade up five spots to go get Chris Olave? I mean, they gave up a third and a fourth this year and swapped first rounders. That's it. Yes, this I mean, this guy, he is going to be an impact player from day one. I know Michael Thomas was happy. He immediately was tweeting about it. Apparently, they have a really good relationship already. I mean, this kid's got good, solid hands, good vision. He's fast. He's going to compliment Michael Thomas, which is something that Saints fans have been literally bleeding over getting a solid wide receiver opposite of him. So having uh Jameis healthy having Mike back this year and can't guard Mike and having Olave is uh, 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 wow <laughs> this is this is the kind of offense that we're used to having here in, in New Orleans and I, I'm really excited um because th this kid is going to be good he, he he's fast and he and, and the thing is he's got he's got solid hands which is what the issue was last year we it's not like we didn't have wide receivers they just couldn't catch <laughs> So this, he's going to be a great addition for the offense. I think you're going to start to see, especially I feel like Jameis is going to be able to air the ball out more. Uh, I know we talked about this a long time ago, but that was one of my biggest issues initially uh, when Jameis was starting last season for us in the beginning. You know, I felt like he was held back a little bit. If he comes back healthy like we expect him to, the kid has an arm, and I want to see him air down. And now we have wide receivers that are going to be able to get open and get separation and get down the field so i'm really excited they didn't give up a whole lot for this type of impact player i mean he he is a go-to guy and and we're everybody i talked to has not had any issues with this pick at all so um a plus on that end because uh, alave is going to make a difference with all offense. the thing that stands out about alave is also his route running he he already understands some of the concepts that a lot of wide receivers struggle with when they have to figure out route trees at the next level, and that's why you have so many busts. I think he's going to make the transition easily, and I think he's going to make the the biggest impact immediately. But you could argue their other first-round pick, Tina, could make a bigger impact long-term because they may have very well found their franchise left tackle for the next decade. Yes, yes. And, and this is the thing, and, and, and I had this discussion with somebody we can have all the talent in the world at quarterback and, and Jameis is very talented, but if we have no one to protect them, he's going to get hurt again. So it is very important to shore up that hole at Olan that we had. And yes, he is raw, but he's very physical. He's got a lot of potential and I feel like he's going to do well here. I, I don't, I don't get paid to pick the players. I only get paid to write about them. So this this kid has a lot of potential and i trust in the saints front office and the scouts that have done their job to make this this pick even though yes you know that there was concerns people were talking about well you know he's been penalized to transition over to nfl he's got potential and we need a physical guy at that position i mean he's a big guy he's got long arms he's got good range it's what we need to protect Jameis and get you know get get him time to do what he what he can do in the pocket so I'm happy with it. I think I feel like you. I think it, you know, if if uh, you know, we can just kind of clean it up a little bit, and you know, he can get some good coaching in him. I think he's going to be a really good uh, tackle for us. Well, and you got two guys that he's going to be working with, Zach Streif, and of course Doug Marone. That are going to be working with him a lot during uh, camp, and they're also going to be there to fix uh, Caesar Ruiz. Let me ask you about offensive line. They didn't draft another guy. I know they drafted 17 undrafted free agents. 
do you still expect them to make some type of move in bringing in another veteran guy or maybe like a second tier lower tier guy just to add depth to the o-line there are other needs i kind of have concerns with that we didn't really address running back is is, is one of the, the biggest ones because we don't know what's going to happen with alvin kamara and we don't know if he's going to be suspended. I mean, as of right now, the court case got pushed back, I believe, to mid-August. So, and, and, and look, Mark Ingram, I love him, but he is not the player he was five, six years ago. So that was one question. Tight end was another question that I had. You know, like I, I thought for sure, and we did actually sign one undrafted free agent that I'm actually really impressed with. I kind of feel like he has a lot of shocky-like uh, qualities. But Yeah, the kid, the, the kid from Pittsburgh. Yes, yes. Uh, he, <laughs> uh, that's what I've been calling him, is Shockey Jr. Because I'm yeah. like, I'm really, you know, he just he looks like that just typical large blocking tight end. Um, it, it just, uh, I, 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 I'm a type of person you can never have too much depth. This goes back to the, the the third pick that we had in in Taylor. You know, people were like, well, why do we draft him? Well, like you were just saying earlier, he's versatile. He can play safety and he can play cornerback. So. You can never have too much depth. I just, I feel like we have so many other needs. Like we, we you know, we, we still kind of have issues with, um, you know, when you look past wide receiver, we've got two solid guys. We've got uh, Deontay Hardy coming back, but you know, these guys, 17 guys we signed, you know, it's time to step up. We've got a lot of depth on defense. I'm impressed with some of the players that they signed, you know, the undrafted free agents that they signed that are going to be bringing in uh, one of them in particular and smoke Monday. I, I mean, he kids are already saying the right stuff and doing the right things. Um, I, I think he has a lot of potential and, you know, it's expected that we're going to sign uh, Tyree and Matthew. So with him and CD and if they, if they are the ball, you know, they're, they make that, that the reason team online, uh, like, you know, we're thinking they're, going to do our defense is going to be where it is and keep in mind Dennis Allen is a defensive coach yeah we got our two offensive picks and then we went defense around in the rest of the draft so I mean we'll, we'll see what happens on 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 the to answer your question on on the O-line as far as you know bring, bringing in someone else I just don't know because we have so many other needs and they weren't really addressed I mean some of these guys it doesn't being drafted means absolutely nothing in this league i mean nothing i mean deontay hardy you want to go far enough back you can look at lance moore pierre thomas they all made impacts for you know for this team uh kurt warner sam mills big name players i mean they they were undrafted so it means nothing if you're drafted it's what you do on the field you know once you once you become a part of this team so you know to me it's attitude of hey next man up if you don't get it john there's some Somebody right behind you waiting to take your place and it's one kind of, of those what we're seeing with the usfl right now that i mean these these guys are you know players that have been out of the league and or didn't get drafted and you know they're, they're getting a second chance and who knows where they're going to be in a couple of years they may make rosters again but to me it's like hey it's next man up if you can't get the job done there's somebody right behind you and that's the whole purpose of having practice squads and you know scouting these undrafted players and signing them to the saints and like i said letting them make a name for themselves you know but Put it, put it on the field <laughs> and well, perform. What one of those guys, Tina? I just I've seen him play, and that's the young man out of Nichols, the wide receiver. Uh, that kid can catch. He's right there for Medna Carr. Uh, he's he could very well be the type of player that's going to take somebody's roster spot at the end of training camp. That's just somebody to look out for because he can flat out ball, and he was under recruited and was an absolute catching machine at Nichols all right let's go I'm glad you brought up Alante because people I got texted 
Well, why'd they do that? And I went, guys, <laughs> he's a versatile defensive back. He's lined up at nickel, at corner, and at safety. And the Saints under Dennis Allen, and just for the better part of Mickey Loomis's tenure, they love taking corners out of college and converting them into safety. See Malcolm Jenkins. What do you expect Alante's role to be as a rookie? Special teams. We need help on special teams. A lot of people t- tend to forget this. They always t- really t- tend to forget special teams. But the Saints allowed more punt re- uh, return yards than any other team last season. So we need help there. And the fact that he is versatile, he can play both corner and safety. And yes, okay, so we're going to sign Matthew. We need special teams help, period. I mean, it's been an issue. The kicking was an issue last year. We didn't really get it corrected towards, you know, the end of the season. And thank goodness Willets is going to be back this year. But I mean, special teams is kind of always kind of get swept on the rug. People tend to forget about it. But it's like for so many years we had Thomas Morstead and, you know, we just – on the flip side of it, it's like, okay, look, you know, we can't allow, be allowed, be allowed to have the Saints to have the most um, punt returns in the league and the second most punts returned in the league. I mean, that, that's just not acceptable. You're allowing teams to get too much good field position and it makes the job harder for the defense to stop them when they're starting, you know, at the 35, 40 uh, yard line. So to me, I think he's going to, he's going to make an impact on special teams. He's got the versatility. He's going to add depth. Dennis Allen is our def- is a defensive coach. Yes, he's our head coach now, but I think that you know he's going to he's really going to make an impact. People just need to realize that when they're looking at it, like, hey, yeah, we had other needs, but I mean, look at where we were lacking last season: wide receiver, O line, special teams, and we addressed that. So I don't I don't have I mean, like I said, I would have rather there was a few players that were on my list that I would have rather seen them take, but after now looking at the whole picture, I don't have a problem with it. We're talking with Tina Howe of Canal Street Chronicles, who joins us here for the Big Easy Blitz on RP3 and Company. All right, let's talk about the young man at Appalachian State. Uh, I've seen him up close and personal. He's a disciplined tackling machine. That's another guy that they drafted that could be an immediate contributor on special teams, correct? Yes, yes. He's fast. He's, I mean, he's quick. He's got good vision. He gets good pressure. Um, All the things that you want to see at that position – but again, a lot of people, he wasn't a name that a lot of people were looking at. So of course, you know, it, look, I love, look, I'm a Saints fan, but you know, I love our, I love our Houdat Nation, but you know, they scratched their heads for a lot of things. They wanted us to take a quarterback, <laughs> it, it, you know, with that other pick uh, in the first round. And I was like, you know, we have Jameis. So look, don't question the Saints and, and their scouts and what they do. They recruit these guys. They, you know, they have scouts that come in, they study them. This is a guy that's going to make a difference. Again, special teams, you know, he's he's fast, he's explosive. You know, I don't feel like I think this is just another positive for us. You know, I don't I don't feel like it's going, you know, to to, to really be someone that you're going to see sit on the bench. I think he's going to make a difference once he comes in. The only concern that I have is that you know we may have too much depth at one point <laughs> with some of these positions, but. Like again, he's another he's another player that I feel like he's a good run blocker and, and he's gonna make a difference on special teams. Obviously they're expected, all multiple reports are coming out this morning that they're expecting to sign the honey badger, Tyron Matthew, the former LSU star and Heisman finalist. That's a great pickup for this team. Once that's done, I mean I look at this defense, Cam Jordan, David Onyamata, Shy Total, Marcus Davenport up front, Davis Werner as the linebackers, Lattimore Debo, Chauncey Gardner Johnson at corner and then Matthew and May at safety 
defense is taken care of and they've added a bunch of guys that can play special teams and be backups for them as well. After the Matthew deal's done, Tina, I'll get you out of here with this. What's the biggest priority for the Saints? Is it signing another running back? Yes. Unfortunately, yes. Because we just there's too much uncertainty at that position. We don't know what's going to happen with the suspension. It could be four games. It could be six games. Who knows what's going to happen? We really don't know. And that's that's too big of a position. And, and Alvin Kamara is too explosive of a player to not have someone there. I mean, I lo- like I said, I love Mark Ingram, but he is not the same type of player as Alvin Kamara. And he's also not as, as explosive as he, he was. So, I mean, for to lose our number one running back, who is so versatile in our offense for any game. I mean, you, you've seen it in the past when Kamara has been injured. You know, it makes a difference on our offense to lose him for multiple games, possibly four, six. I mean, like I, I, I have no clue. Like no one knows what's going to happen with this. I mean, he may not even get suspended at all this year if this keeps getting postponed. And I mean, we could only hope, but we have no clue. So to me, running back is extremely important. And I do really would, I would like us to get a tight end, but I just don't think that a tie on a priority list to me like if, if somebody said hey look what's the biggest concern it's going to be running back and just because there's too many uncertainties I don't want to go into the season not not having someone solid there just in case you know just like I'm, I'm always a backup person Tina appreciate your time as always keep the tremendous work there at Canal Street Chronicles and we'll talk to you soon thanks have a great one we gotta take a time out We'll wrap up today's show, finalize the poll question of the day, and get you set up for Kevin Foot and footnotes. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, I want to take a moment to thank our guests here as we wrap up today's RP3 and company. Yeah, just a few minutes left, 8.55 here on this glorious Monday morning as we get you set up for Kevin Foote and footnotes. Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio talking all things LSU. Big series win over the weekend against UGA. Jay Walker, voice of the Raging Cajuns. Raging Cajuns get a series win on the road against App State and a couple guys get drafted and a couple more get their names called with undrafted free agent deals. And, of course, Tina Howell from Canal Street Chronicles recapping the Saints draft. I want to thank them for their time. I want to thank all of you who voted on the poll question of the day as well. It was a good one. And we asked you which player, which draft pick of the Saints is going to go out there and is going to make the biggest impact. 54% of you say Chris Olave. 35% say Trevor Penny. And I say Trevor Penny could be the better long-term pro. But I think Olave is ready more so now. 9% of you say DeMarco Jackson, former Sunbelt Conference Defensive Player of the Year, App State star. And 2% say Alante Taylor. Thank you for all who voted on the poll question of the day. Cajun fan has chimed in. I think Abram Smith running back out of Baylor, a free agent signing, will make an impact. Yeah, there you go. Me and Foot were asking, how did that guy not get drafted? It's just one of those weird things. There's always guys that fall through the cracks every single year. Also, shout-out to Darren asking me about Baker Mayfield. What happens to him? He didn't get traded, and Carolina has Sam Darnold and drafted Matt Corral. That was a likely destination for the former number 1 overall pick and Heisman Trophy winner. What happens to him now? I have no idea. What I do know is that the Cleveland Browns have botched that situation epically. Epically. Epic fail all the way around. They could have traded him and got something for him, and now 
He's just going to rot on the roster. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parcher Third, better known as RP3. Look, we'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.